Everybody that has your Bible will turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 and I am going to read beginning at verse number 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them saying, Take heed unto or take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, and in my Bible the word it is italicized, which means it was not in the original text. It simply reads, And when Jesus knew, everybody say he knew. When Jesus knew, he saith unto them, Why reason ye? Because you have no bread. Perceive you not, neither understand, have you your heart, or have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see you not, and having ears, hear you not, and do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many basketful of fragments took we up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many basketful of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? I want to talk to you this morning for a while from a simple subject. Jesus knows. Amen. Jesus knows. Everybody say that with me. Jesus knows. Turn to your neighbor and say, He knows. He knows. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Too often in life, we worry about the wrong thing. In life, we are often faced with facts and figures and problems and troubles, dilemmas, odds that overwhelm us and sometimes even confuse us. We are frequently frustrated, flustered, stressed, we even get depressed sometimes, discouraged, distraught, downcast, even dismayed over things that we <clears throat> are concerned about, but He seems to be unconcerned about. And when I say He, I'm talking about the Lord. The disciples in our text were troubled about no bread. They had made a journey with Jesus and it began in the first of the chapter with the feeding of a multitude, 4,000 people that had been three days with the Lord and they had been without food and substance in the wilderness. They had been, I've often wondered what it must be like to have a congregation so enraptured that you could keep them three days and they wouldn't worry about 
food or drink or water, anything. Uh, that, that is a miracle. But for three days they had followed him. They had listened to him in the wilderness. There had been no food. There had been nothing to supply for them. And they weren't even concerned about that. They were just absorbing and bringing in everything that he was saying. And after that period of time, the Lord looked on them and the Bible said he had compassion because he could not send them away in the state that they were in. He, he could not let them go home the way they were because he said they will faint in the way. They'll die before they ever get home. And so he turns to his disciples and he said, I, I want you to, you, you need to take care of these people. You need to feed them. And they looked around and said, Lord, how are we going to do something like that here in a wilderness? We, have, we don't have any substance. All we're surrounded by are stones and sand and tumbleweeds and wilderness. And you want us to supply that? These disciples had then moved from that miracle where there were seven loaves that were brought from the crowd. And out of that seven loaves... They fed the 4,000, and when they were through, there were seven baskets full taken up. Now, let me explain something about the basket that's used there because it's very significant. The basket, the word basket that is used there in Mark is the same word that is used in the book of Acts when it talks about Paul being put in a basket and lowered over the side of the wall so he could escape the wrath of the people of that city. Now, it was a basket large enough to hold a man, a human body. That's how large the basket was. So get the picture in your mind. They started with seven loaves, seven loaves of bread. And when God got through working, they were all filled. They were all satisfied. Nobody was hungry. Nobody was lacking. The people that deserved it and the people that didn't deserve it. I got to thinking about who all was in that 4,000. Now, I know there were a bunch of people there that wanted to be there. But there were some people there that were just curious. They were just there to see what might happen. And there were no doubt some even there that were just there to catch Jesus in something and accuse him of something falsely. But the fact is that in that multitude of 4,000 people, the Lord fed every one of them to their fill. Now, when was the last time you ate until you just couldn't eat anymore? And there still be more left over than what you started with. Now, we got some good cooks around this church. But I can tell you as good a cook as my wife is, we have never gotten up from a table when there's been a good meal prepared and there's more left on the table when we got through than when we started. But that's what happened. You got to get that in your mind. That when he got through working, there was more, they had 12 are seven in this miracle, seven baskets full, baskets large enough to put my body into that were full of bread and food, fish left over. That's an awesome God. They get in a boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee into a community and when they get out 
of the boat and step ashore, the first one that meets them are the Pharisees. And they begin to, the Pharisees begin to question him. And he didn't even stay. He didn't even linger. When, when he answered those Pharisees, they wanted a sign. They wanted some proof of his ministry. They wanted some evidence of who he was. And he had just got through working this miracle of 4,000 people being fed with seven loaves and then having seven baskets full left over. And they're still wanting a sign. He doesn't even waste his time. He just turns, gets back on the boat, and they head back across the ocean or the Sea of Galilee. And it was in this journey that the disciples realized they didn't have any bread. They had gone off on this venture with him without thinking about substance and food. And so they became concerned about their lack of bread. They had come on board this vessel and had forgotten to take the substance that was needed for their journey. And they began to reason. And their reasoning became such that it troubled and even disturbed their mind. What were they going to do? How were they going to make it? And how were they going to make out? And because they were of a troubled mind, because they were of a troubled spirit, Evidently, they thought that Jesus would surely be as troubled as they were about this fact that they had no bread. But instead of him being troubled about the fact, he begins to speak to them about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And that troubled them even more because they thought he was rebuking them, kind of a backhanded slap. At them because they had forgotten their bread. But his conversation with them about the Pharisees had nothing to do with them not having any bread. He was trying to teach them another principle of the kingdom of God and they were lost somewhere in another dimension. They were still hung up back there in the land of no bread. And that's when the text that we read says, and Jesus, or when Jesus knew it. When Jesus realized what these men were worrying over and what they were fretting over, he became even more concerned and he begins to question them. Do you have ears and you cannot hear? Do you have eyes and you don't see? Have you not been able to understand? They totally misinterpreted what he was trying to say to them and what he was trying to do. How little they understood of what he was trying to do in their life because they were so consumed with their present need and that present need was they didn't have any bread. And so the Lord begins to speak to them. And he, with his kindness and gentleness and tenderness that he always displayed, he began to speak to them about their concerns. And he asked them some very pertinent questions. He said, why reason ye? Why are you so troubled in your mind? Why are you so worried in your Thinking. Why are you so consumed with your lack of bread? Why are you this way? Do you not perceive? 
Do you not have any sense of perception or understanding? Do you have eyes and yet you cannot see? Do you have ears and yet you cannot hear? Have you been with me and not seen what I have done? Have you been with me and not realized what I am capable of doing? Have you been with me and not realized that I can take care of it? I break five loaves and I fed 5,000 and had 12 baskets full left over. I break seven loaves and I fed 4,000 and I have seven basketfuls left over. And you're worried about one loaf of bread? You're worried about one piece of bread? When had they ever been in a place in their life with him when he had not supplied their need? When had they ever been at a place with him where he had not taken care of them? When had they ever been at a point in their life when he had not come through? Do you not understand and do you not remember when has there ever been a need in your life, my friend, that God has not been able to meet and God has not met? God is a God who is able to meet every and any and all needs of our human life. Hallelujah. That when there is a need... There is always a God who is able to meet that need. And so he begins to talk to them. And wishing to comfort these men, he bids them remember. He encourages them to consider what they already knew. They had already been through two miracles where seven loaves and five loaves had been multiplied and had supplied more than just the need, had gone over and abundantly above. You know what? That's just the way God is. God always goes over the top when He gives. It doesn't matter what you give to Him. You can give Him your heartache, but He's going to give you back a heart that's mended and healed. You can give Him your trouble, but He's going to give back to you an answer to those troubles. You can give Him your sin, but He's going to give back to you a life that has been washed and redeemed by His blood. You can give Him your problem, and He's going to give back to you a solution to your problem, and it's always going to be bigger and greater than what you started with because God knows everybody say he knows he knows and so he tries to remind them of what they already knew and he challenges them to review what they had already seen God has sent me by this place this morning to remind some folks of what you already know what you've already been through and what you've already seen and ask you if the God that took care of you then is not the same God who will take care of you now. The God that walked through that valley of sickness 20 years ago 
and held your hand all those days is the same God that will walk through your hand or walk through your life with his hand in yours in this year of 2011. The same God that took you by the hand and walked you through marital troubles five years ago or ten years ago is the same God that is able to take you by the hand right now and lead you through whatever you're going through this morning. The same God that held your hand while you struggled with habits and disease and sickness yesterday is the same God who wants to minister and heal and do something today in your life because He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Hallelujah. God knows. And so He takes them down memory lane to remind them. And I have come this morning to do the same. I want to remind some of you of where you are today. Look around at your surroundings. A few years ago, this is not where you sit. A few years ago, some of you were sitting on a bar stool. A few years ago, some of you were involved in another kind of life. A few years ago, some of you were about to blow your brains out. A few years ago, you didn't care whether you lived or not. But here you are today, sitting on a pew. You may not be in the best shape. You may not be on top of everything. But I want to tell you, God kept His hand on you. And He brought you through all of that. And He sent me to tell you this morning that if I did that... What you're facing right now is no problem for me. It is no difficulty for me. It is no problem for me to handle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to remind you of where God has brought you from. Oh, my friend, He's brought you from a mighty long way. Some of you were on... The only way some of you were able to live a few years ago was to pop pills. The only way some of you were able to live a few years ago was to put into your body substances that would get you high or or would leave you in in a delusional state so you could escape the misery of your life. But then you found God or God found you and He filled you with the Holy Ghost. He washed your life. He cleaned you up. And here you are sitting today clothed and in your right mind and you're worried about whether you're going to have bread or not. You're worried about whether you're going to have anything to eat today or not. I've come to tell somebody that if He can take care of 4,000 and have plenty left over, I know that whatever my problem is, this morning God is able to take care of that and God will take care of that he will not fail me because he knows he knows he knows he knows he knows What has He done already in your life? That ought to be enough to get you on your feet saying, Thank you, God. Forgive me for forgetting. Forgive me for not looking back. Forgive me for not remembering where you brought me from. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Oh, hallelujah. When has He ever failed you? When has He ever let you down? When has He ever not worked? When has He ever stopped His hand of mercy? When has He ever withdrawn from you? 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, he knows, church. He knows. Hallelujah. You're worrying about the wrong thing this morning. I said you're worrying about the wrong thing this morning. You need to quit worrying about that thing and start worshiping the God that is in you right now. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated for just a moment. The crisis that you are facing right now may be new, but it's not new to God. It's not something He's never seen before. Do you know what? God has never been caught by surprise. God never goes to sleep, so He can't wake up and realize something. He never sleeps or slumbers. Nothing ever dawns on God. Nothing ever comes to God. It's already there. And he's with his disciples, men that he's been pouring his life into. He just showed them one miracle with seven loaves. And now you've got seven baskets full left over. And 4,000 people are filled. And you're worried about one loaf of bread? You're worried about what you're going through today? You're worried that somehow God's not going to take you through it? You're worried that somehow God's not going to make a way? You're worried that somehow it's not going to work out? I'm not trying to be ludicrous this morning. Certainly I'm not wanting to be facetious. Those are big words. I love to use them every once in a while because it makes people think I know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to make fun of our situations. What I'm trying to do is get us to wake up and realize what has God already done in your life? He's already made a way. He already provided. He already got you out. He already saw you through. He already did that. He already did that. And here we are in a new crisis and we think, oh God, this is the end of the world for me. No, it's not. It's just the beginning of another miracle for God. It's just the start of something new for God to do. It's just another day for the Lord to show His arms strong in behalf of His people. It's just another chance for God to say, oh, that's what I like. I'm Miracle in the making. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Lord in this place right now. Facing a new crisis, but the same God. Jesus asked the disciples if they had used their eyes or used their ears to hear and see what he had done. They had been to, they had been through two. Wonderful miracles which thousands were fed had they learned anything from what he had already done. Folks, listen to me. He knows. I said he knows. And have we learned anything from what we've already been through? Hmm. Have we learned anything from what we've already seen? If we have, there's going to be something come out of us other than question or complaint or fear or doubt or worry or stress or frustration or aggravation or disappointment or discouragement or despondency. There's going to be something more come out of us than this throwing up our hands and saying, God, I can't make it. 
All you need to do is look around and realize who is still with you. Hallelujah. Ah, he's still here. I said he's still here. He's still with me. Hallelujah. A bread, a piece of bread, what is that to him? One or a thousand or ten thousand or a million. Numbers aren't anything to God. He made numbers. He is the number one, but he's also the number whatever in. He has said, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the first and the last. And not only that, he's everything in between. So if you only have one problem, he's there. Or if you have ten million problems, God's there too. And he said, hey, hey guys, wake up. Think about where you've been. Think about what I've already done for you. Think about where I've already shown you. What I've already shown you. Think about where I've already taken you. Let me show you what I've already done. Have, Have you ever read between the lines on anything? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody writes you a letter and but you know, you know, when, how many of you ever were really in love with somebody? Anybody here? Anybody that was ever in love? Some of you are afraid to admit that. Oh, my Lord, maybe we need to have a marriage session this morning. Or a come to meet Jesus meeting. I don't know. I remember I used to write my, letter, my, my love letters to my wife and I hope she was able to read between the lines. I think she was because she said yes when I asked her. And I'd been hinting about that for a long time. But she read between the lines. And God, that's kind of what I feel like God's saying. Hey, don't you have, can't you read between the lines? I mean, read what's, what's in there and then read between the lines. I'm not talking about a distant past. I'm not talking about something that I did a year ago or 10 years ago or a thousand years ago or eons ago. I'm not talking about a history book. I'm talking about a book that shows you what I did then that I'm still capable of doing right now. Read between the lines. Hey, if I can take care of 4,000, if I can take care of 5,000 plus children, which they say exceeded 10,000 people, and everybody be fed, and nobody goes home hungry, and have 12 baskets full left over, read between the lines. Come on, get your, get your specs home. Read between the lines. The message is, if I took care of you then, I can take care of you now. How many of us this morning, if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord, would not even be here because the devil, if he had had his way, we'd have been taken out a long time ago. But God put his hand down and said, no, you're not messing with that person. You're not going any further there. You're not messing that life up. If he did it then, can't he do it now? Impossible? What's impossible with God? Improbable? What's improbable with God? How do you take seven loaves and turn it into a multitude that will feed the multitude and have more left over? We discover when we come to the realization of who it is that is with us. 
that those miracles are there. Those miracles are there to show us and remind us that with God, nothing shall be impossible. If He knew you then, He knows you now. If He saw you then, He sees you now. If He heard you back then, He hears you right now. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. I said He knows. Worry? Why worry about something that He knows about? Why fret over something that He knows all about? How often it is that we miss the meaning of God in our life. And we walk through a palace of wonder without ever observing one gleam of glory. We go through miracle after miracle as if there's nothing to it. And then we come to our present situation and we're all up in despair. You know what you need to do? You need to take a backward look right now and remember where God brought you from. Remember that time when you didn't have enough money to pay your bills. You, and the only thing you knew to do was get out on your knees before God and put your bills before Him and say, God, I've tried to be a good steward. I've not wasted my money, but I don't have enough. I need a miracle. And God worked a miracle in your life. Is there anybody here that could testify to that? I am. I, I can testify to that. How many times have we in our time of sickness in the past come to a point where the doctor said, you know what, there's nothing more I can do. And we brought that nothing more I can do and laid it on the altar and God began to work a miracle and turn something around that nobody else could fix, nobody else could cure. Brother Turner came up and told me, he said, I got a good report. All the tragedy that's happened in that family that was lost in the tornadoes in Alabama, there was one little girl whose back was broken. They had x-rays of her back broken. There was prayer made for her. He said the last x-rays they did of her, there shows no break in her back whatsoever. She is recovering. She is moving toward. Hey, you say, well, why didn't God stop the tornado? I don't know, but I know this. He took care of the back of a little girl that needed a healing touch. And if God can do that, surely he can help me in my problem right now. Oh, church, listen to me. He knows. 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 He knows every problem that you're facing right now. He knows every challenging situation. He knows all the the reasoning voices that are crying out to you. He knows all the questions that are floating through your mind. Go back and read the story of those miracles of the loaves and fishes and look at all the questions that, that were bannered around. How? From whence can we get enough food to supply? Where are we going to get enough to take care of these? And then there was somebody counting. Somebody found there's seven loaves over here. Somebody in another, there's only five loaves here. They're calculating. They got all the calculators. They're looking at all the facts. And the Lord said, you know what? Forget the facts. Why don't you let faith work? Because the facts can confuse you. 
The facts can cause you to be discouraged. The facts can tell you that it's, there's no way out. The facts can tell you that it's not possible. But faith says, with God, all things are possible. We get a choice as to where we stand. Are we going to stand on the side of the facts and be frustrated and miss and lack and worry about how we're going to come up with a loaf of bread, how we're going to have enough to supply the need of the day, or are we going to pass over to the other side and live where God wants us to live, in a place where He always takes care of His people. Always takes care of His people. The Bible says of David, and I'm closing, David said somewhere in one of his psalms that I will go unto the altar of God. The question is, why the altar? Why was David so intent on going to the altar of God? Well, for first of all, probably, and most important, is that at the altar he would see God. And that's always good. It's always good. It's always good to come to the altar. Listen, folks, don't ever be afraid to come up to the front. We call this the altar area. We don't have benches like we used to have in church, but this is the altar. This area has been designated the altar of this church. Don't ever be afraid to come to the altar of God because at the altar of God is a good place to get a glimpse of God. It's a good place to see God in His glory and His power. But more than that, more than David just seeing God high and lifted up, David was made to remember what all had been done at this altar. David was made to remember all that had been taken care of at this altar. He had brought his sin offering to this altar. And his sin had been pushed away for a year. He had brought his thanksgiving offering to this altar. And God had blessed his crops. And God had blessed him with prosperity. He had brought all kind of gifts and offerings to this altar. So when he came to the altar of God. And he stood there at the altar of the Lord. He was made to remember first of all God is there. God is here. God in His glory. God in His power. God in His mercy. God in His strength. But more than that, at this altar, at this altar, there are things that I have brought before and God has taken care of. There are things that I have laid on this altar in the past and I stand to testify that God took care of them. I want to ask you anything. Has anybody in this service this morning ever brought anything to the altar of God in the past and he took care of it that's why you need to keep coming to the altar that's why you need to why well I don't feel like coming come anyway why because when you get to the altar you not only will see God but you're going to see what he's done in the past you're going to see what has been done here you're going to see what has been paid for here you're going to see what has been dealt with here you're going to be able to see what has been offered here you're going to see what has been taken care of here 
No wonder when he came to the altar of God, the Bible said he would offer a praise unto God. When you come to the altar and you begin to be reminded of what God has done, what he's already brought you through, what he's already paid for, what he's already taken out of the way, what he already nailed to his cross, what he already despised and took away from us, what he's already borne when you come to this altar and you realize what he's already done. No wonder David threw his hands up and started worshiping. No wonder David threw his hands up and started praising because he knew that if God could take care of me then, he's going to take care of me now. If God could do it yesterday, God can do it today. If God saw me through that crisis, God's going to see me through this crisis. If God helped me out of that problem, God's going to help me out of this problem. If God was with me there and I didn't lose my mind, God's going to be with me now and I'm not going to lose my mind. If God held my hand then, God's going to hold my hand now come on church somebody hear me this morning God knows all about you this morning he knows your need come on stand to your feet right now and let's give him an offering of praise come on let's give him a sacrifice of praise right now oh I just want to remind somebody this morning I said I just want to remind somebody this morning he's more than enough I said he's more than enough.